Hi, I'm Ashwarya, the producer of Rumors. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Your love and support means a lot and has taken Rumors to new heights. I'm the head of originals at Bound. In addition to our own hit podcasts, we also help brands and storytellers create high-quality, knowledgeable, and stellar podcasts with our end-to-end podcast and video production services. So if you want to get started on your podcasting journey or even analyze if a podcast is the right step for you, reach out to me at aishwarya at boundindia.com. That's A-I-S-H-W-A-R-Y-A at boundindia.com. Or you can reach out to us at Bound India on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Bound. Seven kilometers from Panjimin Goa, two lovers rush into each other's arms in full public view. But no one bats an eyelid. There's no moral policing here. Instead, people flock to watch and simply marvel. These lovers are the rivers Zuari and Mandovi. This is a special place. A place of love. And a place of longing. Honeymooners and romantics from all over India are drawn to this spot by the power of a folk story that's been haunting these rocky cliffs for hundreds of years. This is the story of Donna Paula. This is Rumours. I am Chandrama Das. Join me as I shine a light on the darkest corners of India, where fact and fiction combine into magical and haunting stories. Dona Paula is a quaint Goan village with heavy tourist traffic. Here lies the best vantage point to see the union of rivers Mandovi and Zuari. A long jetty extending into the Arabian Sea. From the jetty you'll also see cliffs to one side, dotted with dark jagged edges. Perched on the cliffs is a weather-worn statue. It's white marble in shining contrast against the dark backdrop of the rocks. The statue depicts a man and a woman looking out at the sea. The man looks grim and poised, his face turned to the horizon. His arm, outstretched, reaches for the woman, but he can never hold her, for his arm has been broken off. The woman sits demurely, her hands crossed on her lap. Her head is slightly tilted towards the man, 
and her expression is peaceful. The tourist guides of Dona Paula have many stories about this statue and the cliffs that it sits on. Each story speaks of tragic love, and most of them revolve around the fate of a Portuguese woman named Dona. Dona was a high-born lady, the daughter of the viceroy of Jaffna Patnam in Sri Lanka. At some point, her family moved to Goa. Soon after, Dona fell in love with a local fisherman named Paulo. This cross-cultural match did not go down well with her family. Dona's father couldn't bear the thought of a poor fisherman as his son-in-law. He was a governor after all, and an unsuitable match for his daughter would affect his social status. He refused to let Dona marry Paulo. Dona was deeply hurt. She was a fiery, stormy woman, used to a lifetime of getting what she wanted, and what she wanted most of all was Paulo. Dona plunged into depression. She wouldn't marry Paulo without her father's permission. But without Paulo, life felt too dark, too miserable to continue. In a moment of despair, Dona ran off to that cliff near the confluence of rivers and jumped off. Her body dashed into the rocks. Bruised and battered, she rolled into the waves of the Arabian Sea. This is exactly what the star-crossed lovers do at the end of the popular 80s Bollywood movie Ek Dujhe Ke Liye. When their love is thwarted by the prejudices of their families, Kamal Hassan and Rati Agnihotri's characters jump off the cliff. Their lifeless bodies roll into the Arabian Sea. They mimic Dona's lore, beat for beat. But unlike the Bollywood movie, this was not the end for Dona. On moonlit nights at the stroke of midnight, Dona can sometimes be seen emerging from the waves. She wears only a pearl necklace. Her naked form leaves the water and begins an unearthly climb up the face of the cliff. The moonlight glows on her skin. She walks in silence, her ghostly feet unchecked by the jagged rocks and the steep climb. And then, when she reaches the top of the cliff, the same place where she ended her life centuries ago, Donna's ghost disappears. This is the most popular version of the story. But it's just one of many. Like many oral narratives, Dona Paula's legend has grown many heads and many tales. An alternate version presents nature as the villain. In this version too, Dona fell in love with Paolo. Here too, the governor disapproved. 
But Dona's character was different. She was no impetuous child. She was a woman. She endured her father's disapproval. And she stood up to him. Dona left her wealthy family and a life of luxury to build a new life with Paolo. Yes, it wouldn't be full of material wealth, but it would have love. The young couple moved into a modest hut in the village. They did what they could to make ends meet. Paolo would go out fishing and Dona would tend to the house. They had each other and for Dona, the comfort of Paolo by her side meant more than all the material comforts she had left behind. But fate had other plans in store for them. The monsoons arrived and rained challenges upon the couple. It wasn't safe to go out fishing in the sea anymore. But the couple was struggling for money. So Paolo was forced to set out into the deep waters of the Arabian Sea on his little boat. Every evening, Donna stood on that cliff to watch him come home safely. One evening, Paolo did not return. A worried Donna waited on that cliff for a full day and then another. But still, there was no sign of him. Days passed. Come rain or storm, Donna refused to leave her spot. If only she waited longer, if only she was dedicated, perhaps the sea would return Paulo to her? Paulo never returned. The sea had consumed him. Pining for her lost love, Donna starved to death on that lonely cliff. They say, in moments of silence, when the tourists are gone and the rains return, one feels a presence on top of the cliff, a presence heavy with grief and full of longing, the longing and grief of a woman stuck in eternal weight. Other versions of the legend leave Paolo out entirely. In one, Donna Paula was not the viceroy's daughter, but a lady in waiting for the governor-general's wife. The governor had a roving eye and developed a fascination for the beautiful young woman. But his wife was no fool. She knew him well and could see mischief brewing in her own house. Unable to hold her powerful husband accountable, the governor's wife targeted her rage at Dona. Dona was stripped and beaten. And then, she was murdered. Her lifeless body was thrown off the cliff. A pearl necklace, the only ornament left on her. Another version portrays Dona as a lonely, beautiful widow. She fell madly in love with Gaspar Diaz, a Portuguese nobleman. Diaz courted and wooed her, but only for so long before his attention turned elsewhere. 
After breaking off the affair with Dona, he married a younger, more socially acceptable woman. Heartbroken and betrayed, Dona jumped off the cliff, but not before vowing to exact revenge upon Diaz. In these two stories, Dona's ghost emerges from the sea at midnight. She doesn't come to grieve a lost love, but for vengeance. So many variations, so many questions. Did Dona love fisherman Polo, or did she love someone else? Was Dona murdered, or did she choose death? Which of these stories contains the truth? The answer might surprise you. None of these stories are true. There was no woman named Dona who jumped off or was thrown off that cliff into the Arabian Sea. Then who is Dona Paula, and why is there a village in Goa named after her? Well. There was a real woman after whom the village of Dona Paula is named. She was Dona Paula Amaral Antonia de Suto Mayor. The Dona here is not part of her name, but a title of nobility that literally means lady in Portuguese. Lady Paula or Dona Paula really was the daughter of the Portuguese viceroy of Jaffna Patanam, Dom Amaral Menezes. She and her family arrived in Goa in 1644, and in 1656, she got married to Dom Antonio Sotomayor. He was a Spanish fidalgo from an affluent family. The Sotomayors owned a lot of land, including the entire stretch from the present-day Raj Bhavan till Karanzalem, which is about five kilometers from end to end. Dona Paula didn't fall in love. With a local fisherman, but there was love in this story, and it wasn't romantic. The recipients of Dona Paula's love were the village of Odavel and the people who lived there. Dona Paula expressed her love through compassion and not through self-destruction. She became known for her charitable work in the village. She used her influence to help those who didn't have the same privileges. Dona Paula died in 1682, well into her 50s. Her body was buried in the Cabo Chapel inside the present-day Raj Bhavan or Governor's House. Upon her death, the village of Odavel went into mourning. They had lost a great source of support. To mark her contributions, the villagers of Odavel renamed their village to Dona Paula. Now one assumes that the white statue on the cliffs must be that of Dona Paula Sotomayor. If so, who's the man beside her? It certainly isn't Paulo the fisherman, since he never existed. Well, the truth is that the statue has no connection. With the legendary love story, neither is it connected to the social worker. The statue has nothing to do with Dona Paula, except that it is located there. The plaque below the statue clearly explains its origins. 
but since the statue is ringed off, locals and tourists cannot easily come close. If they did, they would have realized that the statue is a likeness of an obscure English philosopher named Robert Knox and his wife. He loved Goa and lived here in the early 20th century. The Dutch sculptor Baroness Ursi von Liestner created these statues named the Far East Travellers. Mrs. Robert Knox gave these statues to the state of Goa through a will. They were placed on that cliff and inaugurated by the chief minister of Goa, Daman and Dio in 1967. So why is the truth not even a fraction as popular as the tragic, ghostly and purely fictional stories about Dona Paula? One reason might be the tourism economy of Goa. A tragic tale combined with the statue on the cliffs just makes a great marketing package. Sure, these stories portray a kind social worker as a self-destructive figure and even a vengeful spirit that haunts the beach. But tourist guides can rest their conscience because the stories help rake in the cash. But a boost in tourism is not the only factor that may have cast a cloud upon the facts, as we shall see in another haunting legend. This one is from Pune, in the neighbouring state of Maharashtra. This urban legend has an unlikely home, the sprawling university campus of Savitri Bai Phule Pune University. The university has many gardens, but the most fascinating among them is the Alice Garden. It draws a regular stream of visitors that includes students, but also regular Punekars looking for a place to walk and some fresh air. Alice Garden is characterized by three key landmarks. An arch of banyan tree roots, a serene lotus pond, and a crumbling old grave. Within that grave rests a tragic love story. Alice was a beautiful young woman who had come to India all the way from Australia. She was staying with relatives in Pune when she met an Indian man, possibly someone who worked for her upper-class British family. Alice and the young man fell head over heels in love. But a poor Indian man with an upper-class English woman was frowned upon. So the couple would meet in secret in the place now known as Alice Garden. But soon, Alice's family found out. They took her away and locked her up. Heartbroken, the young man killed himself in the garden where he and Alice would meet. After his death, Alice's family released her. But they hadn't realized the depth of her attachment. Alice followed her lover into the dark. She killed herself in the same garden, the place where lovers met in life and reunited in death. Today, the garden bears no mark of the unnamed young man, but it does bear the mark of Alice. 
The grave in that garden inside Pune University is that of Alice Richman. Alice may have found a resting ground, but she found no rest. Some say she can still be seen inside Pune University buildings on quiet nights. She comes dressed in a flowing white gown and holds a candle that constantly flickers even though there is no breeze inside the buildings. She walks the corridors silently in search of something that has eluded her for more than a century. Perhaps it is love. Perhaps it is peace. The similarities between the two tales are hard to miss. A beautiful young white woman from the imperial ruling class falls in love with a native son of the soil. Opposites attract, as they say. And it is these differences that doom the love story from the very beginning. Both stories end in self-destruction. And the places where the lovers die become symbols of love for generations to come. But it is the final similarity of the two stories which is the most intriguing. And this time, you've probably guessed it. Alice Richman's love story, like Dona Paula's, is a figment of the imagination. A few years ago, researcher Amit Ranjan unveiled the truth about Alice Richman's grave. The epitaph on the grave states that she was born in South Australia, which matches the story. It also states that she died of cholera in 1882, aged 26. That kills off the love story and the suicide. Alice Richman came to India in 1882 to visit her aunt, Olive Ferguson, and uncle, Sir James Ferguson, who was the governor of Bombay at the time. After Alice contracted cholera and died, she was buried in the governor's house garden. The governor house eventually became Pune University, and Alice Richman's grave came to be a part of it. If truth sits so plainly in history, then why are these women built up into false icons of tragic love? Perhaps it is an exaggeration of genuine emotion. There is a real tragedy in the deaths of Dona Paula Sutomayor and Alice Richman. One died young and the other was deeply mourned, not just by her family, but by an entire village. Perhaps these legends also reflect one of India's subconscious desires, the fantasy of a white woman in a position of power who falls in love with an Indian man. This motif pops up in the movie Lagan, where gory mame Elizabeth succumbs to the charm and innocence of the rustic Bhuvan. Ask any white female tourist in India and she will tell you how she is stared at by men. Perhaps the desire narrative for the white woman is so strong that such love stories overshadow the facts. Now, while these stories express desire, they also regulate it. They act as cautionary tales that declare such high-born women out of bounds. 
they are signposts with the warning that reaching for such women can only bring you a painful end but the biggest factor of all may just be our love for masala at the end of the day we want drama death ghosts far more than we want boring steady love even if it is the compassion donna paula had for the village of odavel these haunting stories sell something that appeal to our deepest desires a love worth dying for so powerful that it binds the lover's soul to the place where they died and everyone from tourist guides to storytellers know this well only the most interesting versions of a story survive the passage of time and the truth remains buried with the dead meanwhile these stories continue to make generations of listeners fall in love till death do us part thank you for listening to rumors where fact and fiction combine into magical and haunting stories i'm chandrima das collector and teller of dark tales and the creator of this podcast in collaboration with bound a company that helps you grow through stories produced by aishwarya zaulgekar and sound design by aditya arya join me every friday on this quest into the lesser known side of the subcontinent subscribe rate and review for new episodes every week sleep safe tonight who knows what awaits in the dark mm-hmm.